My name is Jared Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and uh, we have kind of a full house tonight, so if you can kind of scoot in a little bit and make room uh, for some other folks who are walking in right now. Uh, if uh, you've been with us for a while now, you kind of know what we're about, but for those of us uh, tonight who just kind of hopped in or this is your first time, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. You uh, braved the elements. You came out to be at church, to be a part of a church uh, that we believe God is moving in and God is moving through. And so we're so glad that you are here tonight. We spent this last month uh, trying to get this whole January resolution thing right. Because all of us at some level have, have, have wanted to make resolutions and we want to sort of have 2011 be better than 2010 at least. And what we said in the very first week was we, we have really, really, really good intentions. But so often we point them in the wrong direction. We have really good intentions for this year to be really great. But we sort of point them in the wrong direction. We point them in the wrong way. And so, instead of starting with uh, this year about who you want to be this year, we've decided for this month as a church, we're going to start with who you already are. Let's start with who God has actually already created you to be, regardless of where you may or may not be at with him in a relationship. There are things that are true about who you already are. And in light of that, then, how should I live? What might be different about my life? And so we've centered our church around one passage of Scripture, and it's, it's a time where Jesus was questioned by religious leaders, as he often was, was questioned by the religious establishment of his day, and they wanted to back him into a corner. And so they said, okay, they said, Jesus, here's the thing. Uh, if you had to boil it all down, if you had to give us the Cliff Notes version, if we had to like, just get like, the, the Twitter version of following God, 140 characters or less, what would it be? What does it mean? What, what's the bottom line? What's the most important commandment or the most important thing we can do to follow God? And Jesus gave a powerful answer that literally has changed people's lives for the last 2,000 years when they centered their life around this truth. So we committed a couple weeks ago that we would memorize this passage of Scripture and say it together. Now, we know not all of you have done that or you're just hopping on, but some of us are. So we're going to put cheat sheets up on the screen, and you can pretend that you memorized it right now. And we're going to answer with Jesus. We're going to declare who we already are created by God to be and how that's going to change our lives in 2011. So Jesus was asked, I'm going to ask you to read this out loud as if you mean it. Jesus was asked what the most important commandment was, and Jesus said these words. This is your cue. Jesus said these words. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind, with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he went on to say that there's a second commandment. And this is what he said. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment. Yeah, I keep saying it wrong every week. There is no commandment greater than these. There's no commandment greater than these. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And love others. If you had to boil it down to the most essential thing, if you only go to church once in your life and walk out with one message, it's that God has created you to have a relationship with him that involves you loving him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and loving others. Any form of Christianity that does not reflect this is a bankrupt form of Christianity. This is at the core, at the center of what it means to follow God, to have a relationship with God. So for the last couple weeks, uh, we've been talking about what it means, heart, soul, mind. And tonight we're going to look at what it means to love God with all your strength. If you've missed any one of the weeks, you can go back to our podcast and listen through, kind of catch up to what God's been doing, because we think this is really important stuff. So tonight we're going to look at what it means to love God with all your strength, with your body, with your physical 
abilities. Now, this is a, this is a touchy one for a lot of people, right? Because none of us are quite where we want to be when it comes to our body or to our health. But we know, we know sort of what we want, but we're not quite there. So I'm going to ask you to get really honest right now in church. I'm going to ask you to like kind of be as honest as you can be right now. I want you to think about yourself. If you had to put yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being as healthy as Jack LaLanne, may he rest in peace, the health nut guru who started the whole fitness revolution, like the health, this guy would swim, he would pull ocean liners behind him across the San Francisco Bay. Like that's 10. And one is you have to, you can't leave your house and have to bathe yourself with a sponge on a stick. That would be one. Jack Lane would be 10. Where would you put yourself on the health scale right now? Honest. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Turn to the person next to you, find out their name, and you tell them where you think they are on the health. No, 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 I'm kidding. You tell them, you tell them where you think you are on a scale of one being like never leaving the house, 10 being as healthy as possible, all right? You have 36 seconds to do this. On your mark, get set, go. Now, just by show of hands, anyone less than 10 raise their hands. All right, good. Yeah, that would be most of us, right? Right. Most of us would say, you know what? I'm not where I want to be, but I know sort of what I want, but I'm just not quite there yet. And, and this, is the, this is classic. This is so true of me. It's like, I know that I'm supposed to be healthy, but I'm, I'm just not quite there yet. And I don't even fully know what that looks like. I have good intentions. I just point them in the wrong direction. And lots of times when it comes to our health, when it comes to our bodies, the bodies that God actually gave us, we have good intentions. We just either point them in the wrong direction or we point them towards uh, Taco Bell. So, so there, there has to be sort of some way of going, okay, what does that look like? What does that mean? Because for many of us in our culture, we live in a health, like fitness-driven culture. And the bulk of the point and purpose of that is so that your body looks good. And if we were to be really honest, for many of us who have at least tried to be healthy or pursue that as a lifestyle, if we're being really honest, it's because we want to look good. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Summer's coming, right? We know it. Like in Chicago, I love Chicago. You get like a four-month, five-month pass. We got layers. You don't have to worry about how you look, right? But we all know, like, I want to look good. I want to look good. And for many of us, the reason we sort of work out or try and eat right is because we want to look good. Good, and there's nothing wrong with that per se. But what if God actually went through the time and intention that he did to create your body so that it would do more than just look good? What if God actually created you, gave you a body so that it doesn't just look good, but so that it can actually do good? That your body can actually, your body is there to help you do good things in this world. Not just to look good, but to do good, to have the ability to do good. My hunch is most of us, if we were asked the question, if you wanted to have a lifetime of looking good or doing good, you would probably say what? Oh, wow, this is not a trick question. I'm concerned. I'm really, we might have to extend this series. Okay, most of us would say we would want to do good things with our life. 
We would want to do good things in the world. That's, I think that's at the bottom of every one of us. So we have right intentions. We just don't know which direction to point those in, and specifically when it comes to our body. And for those of us who would call ourselves Christians, we would say, you know what? I not only want to use my body to do good in the world, we would take it one step further. We would say, I want to use my body, my, the abilities that God has given me to actually do more than just good, but to bless God and to bless others. In the spirit of the text that we just read from Jesus, I would actually want to use my body to love God and to love others. I would want to use the physical abilities that I have to do that. That's, I think most every one of us would say that's what our body is actually for, that it's not just an object to look good, despite what our culture tells us, but that it's a tool that can be used for good in our lifetime, in the days that God has actually given us. All of us want that. I believe that. I believe wherever you're at with God, that you want that. We desire that. But so often, and this is me speaking for myself here, I don't discipline myself for that. I desire it. I want to do good things. I want to be able to use the life that I have, the breath that I've been given, my strengths and abilities to do good things in the world, to love God, to love others. But I don't discipline my body for that purpose. And I saw this in living color a few years ago when we lived in Atlanta. Now, we uh, had lived in Atlanta for a few years, and my wife had, through friends of friends, found an outdoor boot camp fitness operation. This is like the fight club of fitness. I mean, this is, these folks were intense. And so they'd meet at 6 o'clock every morning to work out outside, like in the elements, in a park, the real deal. Like you lifted branches. Like it was intense. It was very, very intense, right? And she loved it. Like Jeannie loved it. And it, you had to record everything you ate. And you'd have to turn it in, your little binder in, every morning. And the instructors would stand there, and you have to get there at 545, because if you're a minute late, for every minute that you're late, everyone else has to do 15 or 20 jumping jacks while you watch. No pressure there. Oh, it's brutal. Right? So you'd have to turn in your eating thing. And if you didn't eat well the day before, if you didn't follow the, you know, the eating plan that they gave you, they would give you punishment. That's what they called it, punishment where you would have to stay behind afterwards and do an extra 15-minute workout after your 15-minute workout just because you ate, you know, one extra piece of cheese or whatever it was, right? So I watched Jeannie go through this, and she'd get up every morning at 5.15 and, and go in, and she'd do it, and I'd pray for her the whole time. I would, <laughs> I would, no, I would, I would lay in bed and pray for her lots of times. Just, I'd pray so deep, it'd be almost like a subconscious, un- unconscious prayer. But I was with her. And I saw what it did for her life and how her, literally her body changed and she had more energy and she was more alert to like, what was going on. And eventually, I want to say it was through my own sort of desire turned to discipline, but ultimately it was through just pure pressure and shame from Jeannie. <laughs> she said, you know, you really need to do this. And I'd gone to, they'd have a big celebration the last night of camp after 30 days. And so I'd gone to two or three of those and I was like, you know, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. But I knew what I was in for. She didn't when she first signed up. I knew what I was in for. I knew about the eating plan. I knew about the workout. So I decided in my infinite wisdom that the day before, I would go nuts. And I ate everything I knew I wouldn't be able to eat for the next month. And I wish I was kidding about that. And so, like, we lived in Atlanta, and down there, one of the biggest restaurant chains is called Chick-fil-A. And it's finally started to invade here in Chicago. And it's Jesus Chicken. It's so good. It's so good. And so I'm not joking. I had... 
two, like I had lunch and dinner Chick-fil-A. I had a giant milkshake, extra large fries. I took care of my body. It was as though I was going into hibernation. I was ready for the challenge ahead of me. So when I showed up to boot camp the next morning, and so the first day you sort of do your baseline testing. If any of you have ever done a boot camp before, you sort of find out where you're at with sit-ups, push-ups, and running the mile. And in this boot camp, you don't ever stop. You never stand still. So even while the instructor's explaining something to you, you're doing jumping jacks while they're telling you what the next exercise is going to be. And I remember I, was, I, I did pretty good through the sit-ups, and I was starting to feel a little bit, you know, it's six in the morning, I'm starting to feel a little sick, and, and then I'm doing the push-ups, I'm like, oh man, this is tough, but... I knew like the, I had to get through the mile test and, and then I'd be done. And I remember like when we were getting ready to do the mile, they made us run about a quarter of a mile to the starting line. And this is when I started to unravel, <laughs> literally. And I started saying to people out loud, this should count. And I'm not joking. I was really starting to get like a little angry and I paid a lot of money. I already written the check. I was like, this should count. This counts, right? This should count. And so it was really embarrassing. So we, we get to the starting line. We still haven't stopped. We're running in place to get ready to run. And then we run the mile. And it's just a mile. It's just a mile. But everything I'd done the day before began to work its way back up into my life. And I, I got about halfway through the mile. And I, I'm, I, I'm starting to walk. And that's another rule. They don't let you walk. So you can't walk. So they sent an instructor alongside of me and tried to like keep me the hobble run. And I'm trying to like keep going. I'm starting to feel it really bad, so I have to throw, I throw up a little bit in the side of the path in this park, and we keep running a little bit more. I jog, hustle, walk sort of thing. They realized the one instructor wasn't enough, and I'm not kidding, so they flanked me with two instructors <laughs> to kind of keep me going, and so eventually I got back from the mile, and I was, you know, second to last. I was way, it was, it was embarrassing how bad it was, right? It was embarrassing how bad it was, and so I got done with that, and I was done. I mean, I was literally done. I, I, I had, had enough what I didn't realize is that we weren't done. The class wasn't done. I was done. And so at that point, I literally, I, cl- I got my time for the mile, wrote my book, and ran straight to my car. <laughs> and two of the instructors that had been running with me began yelling at me and running after me, like, it's not, you can't go. It's not over. You can't go. And I literally just plugged my ears. I got into my car. I started my car. And there's still people doing jumping jacks and burpees over here. And I'm, I'm done. I had enough and so I left, you know, and I was so humiliated. And then I came back the next day and had to face them all. What I found out is I did the boot camp three or four more times. became great friends with these folks. What I found out was someone who took it about a year ago. I told them that story, and they just began to laugh. I said, what? You know, it's, that's funny. I know it's funny. They're like, no, 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 no. What's funny is they told your story at the first day of boot camp. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm kind of famous, right? Yeah, you're kind of famous. Okay, good, good, good. What happened in that moment was, it's, you, you can see it now and I tell you, you'd know that. Like, binging the day before a workout like that, it's probably not a good idea, right? What I was doing the day before boot camp started had a direct effect on the next day. What I did to my body in that moment, because I thought, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this now, I gotta get this in now, had a direct effect on me the next day. And what, what I realized in that gut-wrenching, sweat-drenching moment at boot camp is pretty much a universal truth when it comes to our relationship with God and when it comes to having a life of devotion to God is that tomorrow's devotion to God begins with today's discipline. 
tomorrow's devotion to God, all of us want that at some level. I want to do good with my body. I want to bless God, if you would say that, to love God, love others. We all desire that. That devotion to God, a lifelong devotion to God, which is what I want, begins with today's discipline. Nobody stumbles into a fully developed relationship with God. Nobody stumbles into a well-disciplined life. Nobody stumbles into a life well-lived. Tomorrow's devotion to God begins with today's discipline. Now that, that can, you can take that cross-platform almost anything in your life, but specifically when you think of your body, think about how true that is. That if I'm going to use the one and only body that God's given me, and I want to do all he's put me on this earth to do, it's at the center of who we are at Soul City. We believe in transformation. We want to help people become who God created them to be so that they can do what God put them on this earth to do. And for that to happen, it starts today with my disciplines and what I do with the one and only body that God has given me. It has direct effect. What I do today affects my ability to love God and love others tomorrow. The Apostle Paul writes about this. He speaks so well about this. He was speaking to a young church like ours, a very young church in a fast-growing city in the area where he lived. And he was speaking to this church. It was a church in Corinth, in Greece. It was a church, or a city obsessed with Olympic sport and the Olympic games. This was a big part of their identity. And so Paul is speaking to them about what it means to leverage the body that God has given you for a lifelong devotion to him. And he takes metaphors from their world and he applies it to exactly where they are at. This is, if you think Chicago is a sports crazy city, we don't hold a candle to Corinth, right? They were so obsessed with it. So Paul says, okay, look, I'm going to help you understand this. I'm going to use metaphors from your world. I'm going to talk about running, about boxing. And this is what he says. If you have a Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. This is what the Apostle Paul says to that young church. And this is what he says to us, to you, to I, each one of us. Let's go back one more, you guys. Go back one more slide, if you would, please. He starts by saying this. He says, don't you know... That in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. He says, look, don't you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? And they would all say, yeah, we've been to the Olympics, Paul. We got, we got it. We've seen the highlight reels. We understand. That's exactly how it happens. He says, okay. So you should run in such a way as to get the prize. You should run in such a way as to win. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to earn a crown that will actually not last. So they are devoting their bodies to something that will not outlive their bodies. That's what Paul is saying. They are devoting their bodies, they are disciplining their bodies for actually something that will not outlive their physical bodies. Paul says, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. In other words, the disciplines that I put into my life, my body, for my health today actually can outlive and reverberate throughout eternity. It can have spiritual ramifications with how I leverage the body that God's given me. Paul goes on to say this. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I think he was thinking for uh, like ahead to me when I ran the mile at boot camp. I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight a fight like a boxer just beating the air. He says, no, and this is very harsh language. He says, I strike a blow to my body. I go to work 
and I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, after I've done what God gave me the ability to do, that I myself won't be disqualified for the prize. He says, I go to work with my physical body. I discipline myself so that I can experience a lifetime of devotion to God, that I can actually love him and love others. And there is work that I do in that process. We talked about this last week. There is work that only God can do. There's also only work that you can do. And Paul says, look, I discipline my body. I go to work because I'm in this for the long haul, not just today, but for tomorrow. Not just for what feels good in this moment, but what will actually change things, potentially change history in Paul's case, change the landscape of eternity through the use of the body that God has given me. I go to work. I go to work so that I can bless God and bless others with the one and only life that he's given me. So, if that's what we desire, then what are some of the disciplines that Paul's talking about here that we can pay attention to for our own lives? Before this gets into like a health and wellness class, we're just going to talk about three things. And I want you to, if you would, to, to reflect on your own life to reflect on how it is that you are treating or leveraging the one and only body that God has given you. And we're going to talk about something that might not be a huge surprise to you, but just for a second, let's talk about food. I love food. I love it. I love it on every level, except making it. But I love eating it. love eating it, right? And so food's good. God gave us food. He gave us, like there's a reason you have taste buds. You're meant to enjoy it. It's actually meant to be good for your body, like, meat is supposed to contain meat products in it. Hello, Taco Bell. So, like, it is good. It is good. And God created it to be good. The question is, for you to reflect on right now, as Paul talked about beating his body and disciplining his body today so for a lifelong devotion tomorrow, when it comes to food, how are you using that to leverage it to bless God and to bless others? What you're eating or what you're not eating. And I know that there are days where I'm working so hard, maybe this happened to you, I realize I haven't even eaten in a day. Like, I'll get to dinner, I'm like, I don't even think I ate. That's not good. Because what's going to happen is my body's going to be directly affected by that, and my body's actually being diminished by me not taking care of it. Or what's worse is, I'll get to that point, I'm like, that's not good. You know, I need some, I need some pizza. I need a Danish. Like, whatever's in front of me to, like, help me sort of get through. Not good either. In fact, I remember a guy we used to work with uh, years ago, his name's Larry Clark. He's just this profound, odd man. He's just such a totally, his relationship with God was on such sort of another level. He got this stuff so deeply that one afternoon, we were about ready to leave work, and someone had, had a bag of candy, and they offered him some candy. It was candy, like a Kit Kat, you know, whatchamacallit, but it was just any kind of candy. I don't remember what it was. And he said, no. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. We're like, right, why not? Like, we're all like feeding our faces, and we're like, why not? He goes, and without missing me, he goes, because here's what's going to happen. If I eat that candy bar right now, it's going to fill me up now, but I'm going to end up crashing a little bit later, and I'm probably going to fall asleep a little early, but then I'll probably wake up and realize I hadn't actually eaten dinner, so I'll eat dinner probably too late tonight, and then that's going to keep me up even later tonight, so I probably won't even fall asleep until around midnight or one in the morning, and then that's going to cause me to wake up groggy tomorrow, and I want to wake up, and I have some things that I want to do tomorrow morning for God in the morning, so I'm just going to pass. <laughs> like, dude, I am getting in line in front of you in heaven. Like, I don't want to be judged by that standard. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. That's well thought through. And he wasn't a guy that, by society standards, looks good, but he was doing good with the body. He took it seriously. And so the question for you is to reflect on. When it comes to food, when it comes to what you put into your body, it's a great question to ask yourself when you sit down or when you're about to grab something. Just to ask that question. How is this going to help me leverage the gift of the body that God has given me? How is not eating for eight hours, is that going to help me tomorrow to do the things, to be the person that God actually created me to be? For some of us, there's a lot of work that we need to do there. Next one. This will seem like a no-brainer. Exercise. Exercise. Now, you can go nuts on this. You can go nuts on this. And I belong to a gym, and it's always packed there, and it's a scene. I mean, it's just a scene. And most of the people there, I don't think, are there to help their bodies do good. They're all there to look good, or at least look better than me. And so, like, I'm not talking about going nuts on that, but when it comes to physically taking care of your body, what are you doing or not doing to actually take care of, to physically care for? Look, we pay more attention and give more effort and energy to the houses we live in, to the cars we drive, to our Facebook updates, to our fantasy football teams. We give more devotion to that and pay more attention to that than we do the upkeep, the taking care of the body that God has given us. Maybe for some of you, you just avoided the exercise thing altogether because that's just not your scene or you're so afraid. Like, and I love the idea of, heard someone once say, like, you know, I, I, the reason I don't want to go to a gym is because I'm so out of shape. And when I get there, I'm just going to feel so out of shape. But isn't that the point of going there? Like, isn't that why you go there? It's because you are. And for some of you, you've put that idea off of exercising or just going for a walk or just something to keep up the body that God has given you, to keep it in check, that it actually can improve, that it can grow, that God has created your body dynamically like that. You are actually responsible to take care of it. So I'd ask you that question. Are you doing, what are you doing? Is there anything that you're doing to physically keep your body in shape so that you can actually be who God created you to be and do what he puts you on this earth to do? Last one, then we'll wrap up. And this is one that often gets overlooked and doesn't get enough value in our culture, and that's sleep. Yeah, you're already laughing. Because for a lot of us, we live in a culture where we almost um, brag on how little sleep we get. Like it's a badge of honor. And it's like, oh, dude, I, last night I was up, I only got three hours sleep. That's not sleep. That's a nap. That's a nap. Like, God actually created you to rest. Now, for those of you who, who, who have read the Bible before or know sort of anything about the creation story, you know that God spent six days, whether they're literal or figurative days, there were six times devoted to working. And then what happened on the seventh day? What did God do? He rested. He rested. Now, did God need to rest? No. Do we? Yes. And God was creating in the very first act of creation a rhythm for our life. Work hard. Do good. Bless God. Bless others. And then rest. Rest. In fact, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's actually to honor the Sabbath. And that's an ancient word, a Hebrew word, that literally means it's a day of rest. That, that is, you are created, your body is created to come down and to actually recover 
from all the hard work that you did the day before. We live now in a technological world where we can have the lights on all through the night. That we can have computers on and have work that we can do all through the night. In the world that Jesus lived in, in the world that the Bible is written in, guess what happened when it got dark? You went to bed. Because there was very little you could do at night. You were limited in your abilities in that culture. There was a rhythm to that, but we have blown past that so much so that many of us not only are not getting enough sleep, but we are working well past the margins that God has created your body to work. And you wonder why it takes you so long to get started the next day, or why you're so distracted, or why you're so drowsy. Could it be maybe, maybe, that one of the ways you can bless God and love Him with your body is to rest, sleep, stop, go to bed. And this is one that I have massive room to grow in. Because there's always so many more things to do, especially with a young startup church like ours. There's always all kinds of things. Oh man, what do we do this? If I can just get this done, I can get this done. God's going, you do that now and you will be less efficient tomorrow. You blow through this rest thing now and you will be off your game tomorrow. And I'm, I have created you to be in this for the long haul. So you think about that. Food. Exercise, sleep, where, in those, just those three areas, where might God be inviting you to grow? Where might God be inviting you to actually love him with your body? To love him and to take responsibility. To not just have a desire to have devotion for God at the long haul, but to take discipline today. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray around those three areas. And for some of us, what it may mean is that you need to confess. You just need to confess. God, I am not at all paying attention to what I'm putting in my body or what I'm not putting in my body. Or God, I need to confess, I am not taking care of physically exercising and growing the body that you've given me. Or God, I need to confess that I am blowing past this sleep thing. That I think I'm invincible and I find out every day, the next day, that I'm not. So we're going to spend just a few minutes praying, maybe even confessing over one of those areas, and then committing to God. God, today I commit to love you with my body in this area, whether it be what you eat, how you exercise, or how you sleep. It may seem trivial. It has significant impact and ramifications. God has actually given you a body. He took the time, as Psalm 139 says, that he intricately wove you together in your mother's womb. That there's not a part of your body that God doesn't know or didn't create. And he intends you to be all he created you to be so that you can do all that he's put you on this earth to do. None of us wants any less than that. But the discipline starts with us today. So let's just take a few minutes right now. If you want to, bow your head or close your eyes. Think about what one of those disciplines might be today when it comes to your body. And maybe just in your words, say, you know what, man, I've missed it when it comes to this food thing or this exercise thing or this sleep thing. And making a commitment, actually making a commitment to God right now. You know what, tonight I'm going to do this. Tomorrow morning I'm going to do this. When I wake up, I'm going to do this, God. I'm committed to this because I want to be in this for the long haul. I don't want to be disqualified or be limited by my own abilities because of the lack of discipline that I put into my life with my body. So just take a minute right now to do that to pray over those three areas.
commit to God right now to taking responsibility and discipline with your body. And God, we don't want to take this lightly. We don't want to miss, God, that this is, Jesus, you told us from your mouth that it matters. It matters how we treat our bodies. It matters to you. It matters, God, because you created us. Whether we'd even know that or admit that or be able to understand that or not, God, the truth is you did. You created our bodies to bless you and to bless others, God. And we want to experience the joy and the fullness of that. We don't want to be limited by our own lack of discipline. I don't want to be my own liability, God, in what you've put me on this earth to do. I want to take responsibility, God, of my body. I pray, God, in those three simple areas, food, exercise, or sleep, or maybe there's other things, God, that you're bringing to our mind right now, that we would actually do it. We would take responsibility. We would put into work today, God, what you are inviting us to do so that tomorrow we can experience the fullness and the joy of a life well lived with you. We pray this in your name, Jesus, knowing that you gave your body, your life for us. You gave your body, your life for us so that we could live. And we want to do the best we can to offer it back, our body, back to you, God, in everything we do. We pray this in your name. Amen.